0: Good morning, church. As always, I love you, and I am so thankful and excited to be doing this series with you this month uh, on the Holy Spirit and talking about how do we, if we are supposed to be people who, who are filled with the Spirit, if we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit, if Paul instructs us to be filled with the Spirit, if that's something that we are supposed to do, to choose to do, that you have to choose to do, then how do you do that? How do you align yourself with the Holy Spirit so that he fills your life. And so I'm incredibly excited to continue this series with you. But I know that this is kind of a deep subject, isn't it? it, it and it's early in the morning. This is first service. So it's, it's early and this is a deep subject. So I'm, I'm thankful for you hanging with me. And I want to encourage you to hang with me through this because I know that we're, we're wading into some deep waters. We're wading deeply into the river of life. But I, I want to make a promise to you. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it if we're willing to go deep into the river of life, to listen deeply to what God has to say to his people, to even challenge some of our preconceived ideas to change the way that we talk about God. Are we willing to do that? Are you willing to change the way you talk about God? Are you willing to change the way you think about God? Are you willing to change the way you think about your relationship with God? Because I'm afraid that a lot of us live our lives on a very surface level. And we're afraid to go deep. We're afraid to go deep. But if we are willing to wade deeply into the water, I promise you that God will reward that effort One of the the ways that we want to talk about it this morning is this idea of the way Scripture talks about time and where we live. We we don't tend to use these biblical terms very well, I don't think, but I want to illustrate them for you. Scripture talks about us living in the present evil age. I very seldom hear Christians talk about this present evil age. Age, But that's where you live, and you know that's where you live, don't you? You know whether you use that language or not, and I want to encourage you to use that language, but whether you use that language or not, you know that you live in this present evil age. And you know that because it hurts. Every time it hurts. Whether it hurts on an emotional level, or it hurts on a physical level, whether it's people that have hurt you, or maybe you've hurt yourself. Or maybe you've been hurt by nature. You've hurt, been hurt by disease and death. All of that is related to the fact that you and I live in this present evil age. Paul says to the church at Galatia, he says, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. All of this death death All of this decay, all of this disease, all of this destruction, all of this is related to the fact that we live in this present evil age. And when we say evil, we mean both morally evil, like sin, and evil like it just hurts. It hurts. All of it. The reason you suffer with decay and disease and death and destruction, the reason we all deal with that is because we live in this present evil age, this time period that is broken and everything, everything is wearing out. You're wearing out, and you know that. And, and everything, the chair you're sitting on, is wearing out. All of it is wearing out. All of it is decaying. But Scripture gives us hope, and, and what Scripture calls our hope is the age to come. So we have this present evil age where everything is full of death and disease and decay, but there is an age to come, a world to come, a life to come, a city to come. The Bible calls it the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the way Peter refers to it. Jesus says, truly I say to you, There's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So we have on the one hand, we have this present evil age that's filled with death and destruction and decay, a world, an age, a time that you know well. It hurts. It hurts spiritually, it hurts emotionally, it hurts physically, but then we look to the future and we know that in the future there is the age to come, an age that is filled with nothing but joy and peace and life and the justice of God and we long for that day, don't we church? We long for that day, for the age to come. I think that Christians need to put things in these terms. I think we need to talk about life in these terms, in terms of the present evil age and the age to come. But there's also another concept that we need to understand, that from the moment Jesus was raised from the dead, the age to come began. Scholars talk about it in terms of the already and not yet. As soon as Jesus was raised from the dead with that imperishable, indestructible, undefiled body of his. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was the first fruits of the age to come. That's, that's what we're all looking for, this body that isn't wearing out. No more decay, no more death, no more destruction, a body that cannot die. When Jesus was raised from the dead on that Sunday morning, that was the beginning of, of the age to come and so there is a sense in which the age to come is already it's already the kingdom of god is already but there's also a sense in which this present evil age has not yet ended and that's kind of where we live don't we that's the christian life is in this tension this tension between the already kingdom of God, the already life and peace and joy, and the not yet ended present evil age. It just continues to persist, doesn't it? It continues to hurt us and pain us, and there's so much sin and disease and death and destruction and decay. But yet we, we say Jesus has already been raised, And so we, we live in this tension. We live in this in-between. We live in this longing for the age to come, having seen it and glimpsed it in the resurrection of Jesus, but still continuing to live in this present evil age. And this is hard, isn't it? It's hard living in this tension. And so God, not content to leave his children suffering in the present evil age, has given us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this taste of the age to come. In fact, here's how the Hebrew writer puts it. The Hebrew writer says about Christians that Christians have tasted the heavenly gift. Did you know that? That when you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Jesus, you tasted the heavenly gift you shared in the holy spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of god and the powers listen to this you have tasted the powers of the age to come did you know that i never hear christians talking about that but we should i have never once said wes it's so wonderful to have tasted the powers of the age to come never once have i heard a christian tell me that we should tell each other that. Did you know that? That's that's the spiritual imagination that you should put on, not imagination like you're imagining something false, you're imagining something that's true, you just can't see it with your eyes. We live in this present evil age and that's real, this present evil age is real, but it's wearing out, it's passing away, all of this that's decaying is passing away. And there's an age to come that will not pass away. An age to come that is filled with life and peace and joy and happiness and the the justice and righteousness of God. And that's the day we're longing for. But you have already begun to taste the powers of that day. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit is your foretaste. Your taste ahead of time. Your sneak peek at the age to come the Holy Spirit is to empower you to live in this present evil age as if you're a time traveler from the age to come and you are living as a person who is from the age to come right now in this present evil age that's some deep stuff isn't it I know I know I know we're wading deep into the river here But this is how Christians should begin to think about their life in Christ. And if we're not thinking of it this way, we're only scratching the surface. You are living in a world full of death and destruction, but there is life in you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your taste of the powers of the age to come to equip you and empower you to live as a representative of the age to come right now in the middle of this present evil age. That's the way Paul talks about this life in the spirit. Look at Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, we're picking up in the middle of Paul's conversation, but y'all wouldn't hang with me if I started at chapter one and went all the way to the end. So we'll start at chapter eight. Look at verse eight. He says this, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So Paul says two things about people who don't have the Spirit. People who don't have the Spirit are people that he calls in the flesh they live in the flesh they walk in the flesh they're they're living according to this present evil age and people who live according to the present evil age are people who cannot cannot please god you cannot please god in the flesh when you just do what comes natural people say it's just common sense okay well if you follow your common sense you cannot please God. If you operate according to the flesh, according to just what seems normal and natural, according to what works in this present evil age, you cannot please God. People who do not operate by the Spirit of God cannot please God. And people who walk by the flesh and do not have the Spirit of God do not belong to him. So the flip side of that gives us two reasons you need to have the Holy Spirit. Why you must have the Holy Spirit. One, he empowers you to live a life that is pleasing to God. If people who do not have the Spirit cannot please God, guess what that means for you? If the Spirit lives in you, if you are led by the Spirit, it means you are empowered not by your flesh, not by your mind, not because you're so good and holy and righteous, but because the Holy Spirit lives in you, he empowers you to live a life that is pleasing to God. And he marks you as having belonged to God. He marks you as belonging to God. Look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body... Is dead because of sin, it's wearing out. You know that. I know that. This body is filled with death and disease and decay. The body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit Of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also, here's the promise, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you get that? So you need the spirit, one, so that you can live a life that is pleasing to God. You need the Spirit because the Spirit the Spirit marks you as belonging to God. And here he says you need the Spirit as the guarantee that God will do for you what he did for Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead and he will raise your mortal body from the dead. That there is coming a resurrection and your dead body won't stay dead. Your dead body will come to life. God will raise you from the dead. And the promise, the guarantee, the down payment of that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you even right now. As the promise, the guarantee, that even though your body is wearing out, Your body is still full of death and disease and decay. Your body will die because you believe in Jesus, because you belong to Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is in you. Your body will not stay dead. And again, church, I know we're wading deep into the river here because we don't talk enough about resurrection. The Bible is all about resurrection resurrection. The gospel is all about resurrection. It's all about the promise. I know your body's wearing out, and I know it hurts, and I know it hurts to live in this present evil age, but you have already begun to taste the powers of the age to come, and the Spirit who lives in you is empowering you to live a life pleasing to God, and he's your guarantee that your dead body won't Stay dead. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors. We have an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says that the Spirit gives you the power, the power to live a life that's pleasing to God. But you still have a choice to make, don't you? You still have a choice to make. Even after you've become a Christian, you have a choice to make. Will you continue to operate according to the flesh, according to this present evil age? Or by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you begin to put to death the deeds of the body? And to say, I don't have to live like that anymore. I don't have to live like that anymore. I know, I know you tell me, that's just the way the world works, Wes. It's just the way the world works. You have to lie like that because that's just the way the world works. You have to be violent like that because that's just how the world works. You have to talk like that because that's how the world works. That's just boys being boys. That's just girls being girls. That's just that's just the way life works. And you say, and I say, no more. No more. That's not the way the world will work in the world to come, in the age to come. And the spirit is empowering you right now in the present, to live that way instead of this way. But you have to decide. By the Spirit, will you put to death the deeds of the body? Because if you do, then you will live. You say, that's the only way to live. It's just live like my neighbors live. No, no, no. That's the only way to die. That way ends in death and destruction. That's why we're in the shape in the first place. The only way to live is to be different, to live according to the Spirit. The Spirit empowers you to live this new and unusual way that the world has never seen before. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, if the Spirit of God is in you, then you are God's child. You belong to him. You've been adopted into his family. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you say with your mouth, Father, Father. I mean, the audacity of that. The audacity of us Gentiles on the other side of the world calling Yahweh our father. And Paul says, absolutely, you can call him father. You can call him Abba because he is your father. The Holy Spirit has made that possible. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whoever you've done it with, it doesn't matter if you are in Christ and the Spirit of God is in you, then God is your dad. He is your father and you can address him as father. And the one who empowers you to address him as father is his Spirit who lives in in you verse 16 the spirit himself bears witness he testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him and I told you we're, we're wading deep in here this, there's so much even in this one passage he says that the spirit of God is testifying with your spirit you're saying god's my father but it's not just you that's saying that who cares if you say that who cares if i say that who cares if that's my idea paul says it's not your idea you didn't come up with this the spirit of god is testifying with you and where there's two or three witnesses there's a testimony right there and so the spirit of god is testifying he's bearing witness with your spirit to say he's right she's right That that person really is God's child. Isn't that wonderful? No matter where you've been or what you've done, no matter how much you've fallen short of God's glory as we all have, you belong to Him. And I'm not saying that you're going to feel the Spirit testifying with your spirit, but you need to be mindful that the Spirit is testifying with your spirit. Every time the word Father comes out of your mouth. Because there's moments where you don't even know whether you should believe that or not, don't you? You say, really? God's my Father? After everything I've done? After everywhere I've been? He's my Father? You need to be mindful of the fact that the Holy Spirit is saying along with you, yep, it's true. It's true. That really is God's child. And he says that when you are God's child, when the Spirit of God is bearing witness, is testifying with you, with your spirit, that that's true, then you become a fellow heir with Christ. I mean, that's, that's almost too good to believe, isn't it? A fellow heir with Christ. Do you know what that means? It means that you get to inherit by grace everything that belongs to Jesus by right. Right. Think about that. Everything that belongs to him because he is God's only begotten Son, everything that belongs to him now it also belongs to you. You are fellow heirs with Christ. You get to share in all of the blessings, all of the inheritance, all of the glory glory, you, you, me, in spite of what we've done, in spite of our sins, because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, we are going to be glorified with Jesus, raised up to reign with him, provided, provided we suffer with him. That's the part we don't like, isn't it? Provided we take the slaps on the cheek and we turn the other cheek. Provided when someone tries to force us to go a mile, we say, No, my teacher taught me to go two miles. Provided when our enemies hate us and they revile us and they utter all kinds of evil against us falsely on his account, we consider ourselves blessed and we continue to suffer with him. Paul says, If you suffer with him because you belong to him, then you will also be glorified. With him. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present evil age, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You can't even hardly put them side by side. I know you're suffering. I know you're hurting. I know it's painful. But that doesn't even begin to compare with the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. Verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Do you hear what he said? The whole creation, the whole earth, the whole cosmos, everything is waiting for this moment, this moment of the age to come. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, And it too will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You're going to be set free. And Paul says, so will the creation. The whole creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and decay. Everything is filled with death and destruction and decay. But the whole creation is longing for the day when you and I will be redeemed and the creation itself will be redeemed. And until then, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That's a good word, groaning, isn't it? What is a groan? I was trying to decide whether I should should demonstrate it for you, but you know what a groan is, don't you? A groan is an inarticulate sound of pain and suffering, isn't it? Inarticulate, It's it's not words It's just a groan, and you're groaning, and the whole creation is groaning. We're all groaning for something better, for something that's not filled with death and destruction and decay. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, or we groan to ourselves as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Do you see the picture that he's painting? He says, you you know, because you have the Spirit of God, you know what's coming. You know that the the present evil age isn't going to last forever. And that the age to come is coming. And creation knows it too. And we're all groaning. These inarticulate moans and pains. Saying, don't want to do this anymore. It hurts. And I'm tired. And I'm worn out. Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you lost somebody that you love dearly? Has somebody that you love dearly hurt you deeply? Have you got a diagnosis that you thought, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this? All of this is part of this present evil age and even creation itself is groaning with you. Then he says in verse 24, for in this hope, this hope that our bodies will be redeemed. For in this hope, we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's what we're doing, isn't it? We live in this in-between, in this hoping for what is to come, but in this living in this moment where it hurts and we groan. We don't even know what to say. All we know to say is it hurts. And we're tired of it. And all creation is saying, we're tired of it too. The trees are saying it. The hills are saying it. The rivers are saying it. The mountains are saying it. All of creation is saying, we're tired of it. We're tired of the death. And we're tired of the destruction. And we're tired of the decay. And Paul says, it's in this hope. This hope for something better. This hope for life and redemption and joy and peace. It's in this hope that we're saved. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, with groanings too deep for words. Creation's groaning, you're groaning, you know who else is groaning? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is groaning within you. We're all groaning. Waiting for the day when creation will be redeemed. Waiting for the day where our bodies will be redeemed. Waiting for the day where there's going to be no more death and decay and destruction. Longing for that day. And the Holy Spirit was given to you to groan within you. Again, a groan is this inarticulate sound of pain. Now notice... He doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is interpreting your articulated prayers. I don't think God needs any help with that, personally. I think that's how we read this text a lot of times. But I think when you say, God, I love you. God, I want to see you face to face. I don't think the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, Father, what, what Wes is really trying to say here is this. I don't think the Holy Spirit is doing that for us. But there are times where you don't know what to pray. You don't have the words You got a diagnosis. You don't know what's coming next. You got some news. Someone said something to you. Something happened to you, and you don't know what is going to happen next. You don't know what should happen next. You don't even know what to ask for to happen next. All you can do is groan. And Paul says, you know who's groaning with you? The Spirit of God is groaning with you. He's groaning with you in these groanings that are too deep for words. And you can't understand what the Spirit is saying to the Father, but the Father understands. Listen to verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When the Spirit is groaning along with your groans, when all you could say is, Father, Father, when that's all you can say, the Spirit is groaning with you. And even though you can't understand Him, the Father knows exactly what He's saying. Because He's saying the Father's will. He's groaning according to the Father's will. And even better than that, verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. That's the confidence that we have. Because the Spirit of God is in you, you can know and be confident all of this. All of this is going to work out according to God's will. Oh, he didn't make all of this pain and suffering that are part of this present evil age. But he can take all of it. And he can use all of it. And he can redeem all of it. And even when you don't know what to pray for, and all you can do is groan, You can groan knowing that the creation is groaning with you. That the Holy Spirit is groaning with you. And God knows exactly what the Spirit's groans mean. And that means he knows what your groans mean too. And when you're groaning to to the Father, and all you can do is groan, he understands you. And because of the Spirit, you are praying God's will. And you can know that all things will work together for good if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. Here's how I want us to end this morning. Pray knowing that as a child of God, you never pray alone. A child of God never prays alone. Isn't that good news? You never pray alone. The Holy Spirit is always testifying, interceding, and groaning with you. Pray when all you can say is, Father. Pray when all you can do is groan. Pray when you've got a million words to say. And pray when you don't even have one. And know that at every moment, the Holy Spirit is praying with you and for you He is testifying with you. He is interceding with you. He is groaning with you. You never pray alone. And if our goal is to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we have to be mindful of how the Holy Spirit is praying with and participating in and present in our prayers. The Holy Spirit is participating in, and present in your prayer life. And that means if you don't have much of a prayer life, you're not giving the Holy Spirit a whole lot of opportunity to be present in you and with you. Pray. Pray for the age to come. Pray, Lord, come quickly. Pray for the end of this present evil age. Pray when all you can say is Father. Pray when all you can do is groan. And pray knowing that you never pray alone. But Maybe you feel alone this morning. And maybe you're ready of, maybe you're ready to stop being alone. Maybe you're not in Christ Jesus yet. And you need to be buried with Christ in baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that he can mark you as belonging to the Father. So that he can guarantee to you future resurrection so that he can empower you to live a life pleasing to God if you haven't received the Holy Spirit through being baptized into Christ then what are you waiting for if you're ready to make that decision we're ready to help you this morning or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement you never pray alone because the Spirit prays with you and for you but you don't have to even pray alone physically we're here to pray with you too our shepherds would love to pray with you in the prayer room, or we'd love to have you come forward and pray with you here and let the Spirit be present and participate in these prayers. If we can do that for you this morning, you can come forward as we stand and sing.